we do have some recording issues this week. If, if the quality of this is not per, uh, pristine, uh, I apologize for that. We are going through some major te technical difficulties on our end. We're hoping in the next couple of weeks it gets fixed. We're working with what we're working with now. So on my end, uh, I'm recording this off of Zoom. That's why I probably don't sound as good as I usually do. So if there are audio issues in this, uh, we apologize. And, uh, you know, hopeful, hopefully this will change in the next couple of weeks. So just keep that in mind when listening to this. So they've been trying to discourage us from voting. And ever since the civil rights movement said, voting is so important that we will risk our lives and safety to vote, they have been telling you that your vote doesn't matter, that the candidates are just alike, and that politics are dirty. Those are the psychological ways that you are kept from voting. Well, you are smarter than that. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive pearl jam podcast and we're still in october and it's very early in october where you can still register to vote in most states right now and uh, you can also still send in your mail-in ballot yes we're hitting you with that right away because it is political month it's political pearl jam month it's getting down to the nitty-gritty we're about what less than three weeks from the election now and this whole entire month we've been doing nothing but political Pearl Jam coverage and uh, this one is a big one today because this show is all about voting that we're going to get into. Charlotte, 1996. Excited to get into this one. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Have you sent in your mail ballot yet? I have. I sent it in earlier this week. Good man. Fantastic. Great. Yep. And yep. Uh, I have as well. And I know from a lot of people that I've talked to that listen to the show that they have as well. And that's fantastic. And uh, I encourage everybody to do that because the earlier the vote, you know, the more of a chance that uh, to make sure that you get your vote uh, in and, and secured. Don't take it lightly, even though it's an absentee ballot. Make sure you, you cross cross the I's and dot the T's, as they say, and uh, and get those things sent back in as soon as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just remember, it, it's such a corny thing to say, but it, it's your due diligence as an American that this is like the one time that you have every four years or, you know, if you want to say 
uh, once every election year um, that you can tell people what you're thinking instead of calling somebody's office instead of tweeting something like this is this is how people know and and uh you know the best the best way to to get people to know is is to to vote for them and either vote them in or vote them out so and that's uh i guess what this whole month is about and this show specifically was such such a good precedent for pearl jam going forward in really i guess the getting people of a certain age group motivated to go out to the polls. Yeah, this was uh, this was the first year that I voted. I yeah turned eighteen before the the election, so yeah, I was able to to get it in and go. Um, I mean, I Eddie Vedder did not register me to vote in a parking lot disguised in the blonde wig and everything, but as he did with some people here. But I, I registered in nineteen ninety six nonetheless. Yeah, I registered in two thousand four, and the way that I registered, I actually. I wanted to wait for a good moment to do it. And just so happens that right around the time that I graduated from high school, I went to a primary show and they had uh, polls. Uh, they had booths to, to go up and, and fill, fill out your uh, registration. And I did it there <laughs> like of all places, because I think I wanted to sit here 16 years later and be able to say that I were devoted a primary show. Cause that's really fucking random. <laughs> And too, you know what they say, like if you if you don't if you don't vote, you don't get to complain. So think of it as you're exercising your right to complain. One hundred percent. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Like I there have been elections that I hadn't voted in because I hadn't been, you know, um I, I wasn't registered in Connecticut to vote. And I felt like at the time, you know, I, I, I even said to myself, Look, you might be mad about something, you might want to complain, but you didn't vote. So you got to step back on this and let the voters be the ones that are pissed off. So anyway, this whole show is based off of getting the Senator Jesse Helms out of office. And you remember the era a little bit differently than I do. And I have some little stuff to throw in there, but why don't you explain to the, to the listeners that are a little younger that might not know who Jesse Helms was, who he was. Well, again, I'm just going from memory here. Like, uh, racist, um, and I think that that's all we need. Like, yeah, he was he was a good old boy. I mean, if you if you if you Google Jesse Helms, you, I always think of him with Strom Thurmond. I think from South Carolina, I always have them related in my head. He'd lived to be like ninety something. He'd been a been in the Congress since like the fifties or the sixties. Like, just horrible, horrible people. Like money from these tobacco companies I, I always associate him with like lobbyists for stuff like that but the big thing i think he was known for is just being the one of the worst racists in congress at the time yeah and what uh some of you may remember if you watched the uh, the last dance documentary one of the things that they touched up on was just michael jordan's influence on the american people and how the harvey gantt uh, campaign. Harvey Gantt was running up against him. He was an African-American. Uh, he was running for senator in North Carolina in 1990, and he was running against him, and he wanted Michael Jordan's endorsement because who the hell does want Michael Jordan's endorsement? And, and Jordan flat out said, this is a famous line, 
Republicans wear sneakers too. And he refused to endorse me. I think he gave him some money, but that, that was, that was it. And unfortunately Gantt lost the election to Helms and, and that, you know, I think brought what 12 more years of him uh, in, in, in the Senate, which is, which was terrible. Think about a guy like Mitch McConnell and how long a guy like Mitch McConnell has been there. Like that's, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. And, and, you know, whether or not the Senate should be limited terms is, is a whole nother conversation, but this was, you know, just giving a little bit of background on what this show was based off of. And, and there's a lot in the show where they're saying, no matter who you are, no matter what background you're from, you are able to build the America that you want. And I think that really, uh, those words and Eddie will, will have a whole conversation with the crowd as well as uh, Gloria Steinem in this. Um, they both, it feels like nothing has changed in 24 years. How, how crazy is that? That they're still talking about the same talking points then. Yeah, maybe a couple little things have changed here and there, but it's still a lot of, a lot of things that you say today, like it's important for everybody to vote. It's important for young people to vote. It's important for people of different backgrounds to vote like that can't be said enough nowadays yeah it'd be nice if we'd have a mandatory registration but maybe we'll get around to that someday well i I like because remember when we talked to black circle this might have been off camera uh but we talked to them and they said in brazil if you don't vote for two years you're not considered a citizen i'd be i'd be interested if uh you know if some some folks get in charge of of the Senate, if uh, if that was something on on the docket, I know there are going to be a lot more pressing matters to to figure out if everything works out in the next four years. But you know that that could be an interesting thing to throw out there. But let's let's not digress. Before we get into all this, let's. Um, there was Pearl Jam news this week, so I think it's it's. Uh, I think we need to bring it up here. Uh, there's going to be a new vault. Every year they've released a vault since um, the PJ20 show. When they did a PJ20, they uh, they gave out the CDs for the more theater show from 92. And this one, I don't know if you would call it controversial, but I'm considering it a little bit controversial because when I consider the vaults, I think – things that haven't been issued before things that you know are sitting around where they can remaster something they can rework it they've never released it on any platform before you know stuff from 94 96 2004 tour that we did last week like there's no official bootlegs for that i'm thinking that these shows would be great for the pearl jam fans to have and this year we uh we get something a little different we get something that we've had uh, for the last six years, and it's Molina fantastic show, not discrediting the show at all because everybody knows Moline and everybody knows how great it is. But what do you think of the decision to make Moline the the number ten vault this year? Yeah, I th- I thought it was curious because you know you're you're absolutely right you, when you when you call something the vault when you when you bring things out of the vault they're supposed to be unheard things. And Moline, like, again, taking nothing away from it. Fantastic show. They're doing four LPs. It's the entire thing. It's not one of these things where they're cutting off the encore or anything like that. 
you're going to get the whole show. It's going to be awesome. Like it's going to be awesome to own it on vinyl. It's going to, the packaging is going to be amazing. It's, it's no code. So, you know, my favorite album, fantastic, but yeah, there's so many more, like maybe save that one for 20 years from now when it, we got some distance from it. Like there's, there's so much more. There's the show we did last week. The show this week absolutely deserves a better recording than what we have. You know, it would be it would be great to hear this in 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 a pristine quality on a, on a vinyl record. Like, yeah, I, I think it's. I'm starting to come around to agree. I think it's a missed opportunity. It's a, it's going to be a cool thing, but it could have been so much better. I think that there are shows from the late '90s, early 2000s era that that haven't gotten their due that you can still do that with. Wrigley 2013, PJ20, like those sure. haven't been released. Those sure. are way more important than release. And like how awesome would it have been? How much buzz would it have generated if they had come out and said, off-ramp, first show, 10-22-90, you're going to get to own it on vinyl. It's going to be one record. It would have been super cheap to make. It, it would have been if, what if they had said, the second show, unreleased, 12-22-90. Like, imagine the buzz that that would have created like people would have been freaking out to get their hands on that thing but this is just kind of like oh uh, okay cool like i've i've heard it I, I i could i could probably recite some of the show from memory but you know it's just it's just it's just, i think it's like i said I, I i think it's a missed opportunity now here here's a good question for you how much of that Moline improv thing that Eddie does. And it's, it's a great, it's a great original that he writes basically kind of half on the spot, half like in a hotel room the night before. Um, but he does it in like three takes. How much of that do you think that they're going to put on the record? They can't. We'll see. I mean, I, I know they posted the track listing. I, I saw it was on there, but we'll have to see if it's, if it's edited at all for, for length or for the, to fit on the record. So I know a lot of people are probably going to be pretty happy with it. And I know a lot of people that have already ordered it. And uh, I think that that's great. And it's, it's great to have new stuff. We got a new song the week before and uh, you know, that, that should be celebrated, but you know, just when you, when uh, of course we're Pearl Jam fans and we have to find something to complain about, that's just how it goes. And I think there's, there's such a high standard that they set that you really want them to always reach that bar. That that's, that's how I see it at least. Let's uh, let's get into Charlotte 96. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up before getting into the show is uh, the poster. And this is a pretty popular poster. You see this kind of, you know, it's when when you think of like early 90s posters that kind of either get used for, I guess, promotional things or, you know, people put them on their, their Facebook profiles or things like that. I see this one a lot more than than others. What you have is you have it's it's kind of it's a peace sign and it's a guy with with his arms in the air and he's breaking free from a chain. I kind of see it like is breaking free from slavery. almost. It looks like the musical note is breaking him free. It's like the music is setting him free, you know? Yes. And there's like guitars in the background and things like that. It's, it's a really, really cool poster. And it's one of really one of the early, early ones that, that sparks uh, my interest that, that really got them going on the poster uh, circuit. It's it's got that kind of like, Grateful Dead, Neil Young, kind of late '60s font on the Pearl Jam. It's uh, yeah, this is this is really nice. 
oh yeah, this poster six six thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars, like yeah, that that'll that'll set you back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if you have it, then it's mm-hmm. going to uh, potentially be a major investment in in your future. So that's right, uh, yeah. that that's a nice little nugget for anybody that uh, is into that sort of thing. So to open up show is Long Road. This is only the eighth performance of the song, and it kind of is starting to become synonymous with opening up the set at this point. You know, you get to late 95, and that's when the Merkin Ball EP came out. So they only played it a couple of times in 95. So at this time, a year later, people really recognize the song, and it's starting to become a bigger placement in uh, in the sets now. Yeah, and it's it's got that really quiet outro again, which I really like. And we, I think we got to talk about the crowd. Like, this crowd is unruly. Like, there's a pit going from, like, the first second that they get in there. There's people getting thrown around, people getting pushed around. Like, and he even, I think, mentions it right at the very beginning. But you could you could see it in the video. This, this, is, this is a violent, violent pit in the front. Yes, and it's going to stay pretty crazy pretty much throughout the night with songs you know a song like long road if this is happening during then you have to imagine songs like black and and other songs that are are more of the mid-tempo they're continuing to do this this doesn't stop throughout the night and even when you know like glorious time is goes up to talk i think there was a little bit going on so this is this is just happening on this night and it prompts ed very much out of character after the first song he mentions he talks to the crowd this looks like a pretty intelligent crowd it's also the first time i've ever told a crowd that but listen i'm gonna talk to you for a second because uh just to make sure everything goes real smooth i know that there's a lot of people down here and it looks like you're all friends or getting to be friends. <laughs> but we're about 30 seconds from kicking in here and I just want to make sure that everybody watches their neighbor, everybody keeps up. Don't do too much of this spinning uh, pit stuff because someone's going to get hurt and uh, that would suck. So are you ready? Okay. I think they're ready. The band is just very cautious because you have to go back. And a week before this show was the Randall's Island show. And the Randall's Island show was an absolute mess. That has to be on their mind. And they have to be thinking to themselves, like, look, when will this stop? Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, we got to talk about it too. This is a non-Ticketmaster venue. So it's not as regulated, not as, you know, the boundaries aren't as defined as they would be in like a more traditional arena style or stadium style. Like this is a Memorial stadium. It's a, it's a football field basically, I believe. So there's a huge open area for the pit. There's, I mean, there's thousands of people down on the floor there. So yeah, I can, I can imagine the potential for a, for disaster was, was definitely higher than normal. Yeah. And I think there are some points in the show that we'll be able to mention and and you can just kind of, tell from the performance that the band is a little bit out of it because they are just concerned and they just, I, I, I guess, are 
are taking more of an interest in what's going on in the crowd. And you see that Eddie's not moving around a lot during some of the middle songs, but that comes into play a little bit later. This first section though, after they mention it, like this is, this is not going to help people settle down a little bit. Last exit <laughs> animals in the black circle. Hell, hell. How, how do you know? Like, yeah. You can't be in that crowd and be like, okay, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to, you know, pay attention to what you just said and, and not be unruly. Like, no, you're going to want to go crazy because that's what you did in this mid nineties era of, of Pearl Jam. And that's, that was their base back then. Yeah. And then 96 is like, you think about it too, it was the prime time for like those bro kind of circle pits and thrash pits. And like, yeah, they mean, oh my God, like what a perfect start. Yeah, and I, I I always say in 96 that this is the era where Ed is really able to hone his voice and, you know, make it so those sections where he's screaming, it feels like he's still able to save some for later in the show. And, and like, from early ones, Last Exit's a screamer, Animal's a screamer, Black Circle. Like, I, I thought that spin the Black Circle on this was phenomenal. mentioned the eighth performance of long road this is only the 12th hail hail you know you think about this being the the tour right after the album so a lot of these songs are fresh so yeah a really early hail hail as well it's fantastic yep absolutely and uh we we have to say that the recording is not great on these so if we're playing some of these songs then uh you know some of them will sound like there might be a hurricane coming through uh some of them sound okay you, you just kind of it's it's pick and choose so we're we're going to be very careful with that but yeah it's it's kind of like it's a c plus at best recording i would think yeah, yeah not not a lot of definition between the instruments and everything so a lot of, a lot of bleed so yeah it was it was tough to to pick out some things that we normally are able to pick out but yeah i mean it's that's so that's what you get you know it was probably recorded off a of vhs tape or a cassette player so Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we're just thankful that we do have stuff like this and that, you know, a, a, a year like 96, every show is accounted for, even if some of them are, you know, lesser of, uh, you know, quality recordings than, uh, than, than usual. Um, there are some shirts being thrown onto stage. I don't know if you noticed that from the video. There's a lot of things being thrown on stage. Yeah. Uh, that, that unruly crowd, man, they are, they, are, <laughs> they are a mob. Yeah, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna get a talking to it at some point in the show. Ed is really gonna kind of be concerned and and kind of lose his shit at them a little bit, um, or at least get 
very close to losing his shit. Randall's Island, he lost his shit. He doesn't lose his shit at this show, but he's like, one more time, if I got to tell you guys one more time to behave yourselves, like, I'm, that's it, I'm done. Um, I like to think that they were just very excited to vote out Jesse Helms. That's what I'm going <laughs> to go with. Yeah, that's a point I want to bring up later. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that when we get to more of that conversation. But um, in my tree, this after this early section right here, and it's just pretty much Jack showing off and just being a badass. And it's one of these early versions where, you know, usually when you get a version nowadays, it's kind of Jeff that that opens it up but jack is just playing the whole thing and, and he's leading into ed and then everybody comes in after that first verse and these these versions of the song boy to go back and listen to these these are special special versions in my tree and and i don't have to talk about it anymore because i know how much you're gonna say about it so oh man just inject this directly into my veins like in the in the video like you you can't really see jack full on but you see his octopus arms like just going all over that thing it was it's it's just a pleasure to watch i mean i this is the one that it hits all those hits all those moments that the that the studio version does it's fantastic absolutely he just elevates the band and when whenever he's able to elevate the band and there's other moments in the show I think other songs that we talked about from 96 where we're just like that there goes Jack again and we'll we'll get to that later in the show I think uh, but in my tree is absolutely just one of those that just elevates them to a different stratosphere uh, corduroy follows that up and um, really the only thing I had to say about corduroy is just that like before breaking into the ending they get just really quiet and it's kind of one of those more paced out corduroys and and then once they get really quiet they just sort of break into it and then finish up really on that slower pace again i i i I like when they do that they're it's not the sensationalized arena show finish where you know everybody's jumping up and down kind of thing they they this is a little bit different this is like a club style corduroy yeah, a really nice, a really nice McCready solo at the end, and and Jack at the end. Like at this point, he was just killing that that ending of Corduroy. It's it's amazing, but yeah, I mean that that's going to be a theme too. I mean, I think that was done on purpose because of the crowd. You know, a lot of these songs we're going to talk about, they they get a little quieter than usual. We talked about Long Road, Corduroy. There's there's a couple more that that we're going to mention that get really quiet and they bring it really down. And I wonder if that. I wonder if that was because of the, you know, they noticed the crowd being a little more uh, violent and rambunctious than usual. Possibly. Yeah, that could possibly have something to do with it. Um, I, I'm going to get to my points on on that in a just a second after this little section here. You get something that can never be quiet unless you're doing it, you know, full acoustic. Uh, and that's Lucan. And that's transitioning into not for you, but it's interesting we get them back to back here because we all know that that's the combo that really, you know, picks up the set, middle of the set nowadays. Um, But this isn't the same, you know, Matt Cameron rolling drum transition that we get. This is just Lucan, okay, stop, play not for you. And I I thought that 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 was interesting that, you know, at least that they played it back to back back then without even thinking about transitioning them in that manner it's kind of the evolution of of those two songs played together 
Yeah, almost like like a little happy accident. Like he just put them together, and then maybe it was it was at these shows where he kind of clicked in his head, like, hey, you know, we could we could maybe do something here, or maybe it, it might not have been Till Cameron, and then you know they they maybe were talking about it, and I'm you know I'm just hypothesizing here, but. You know, they oh we've we played those we played those back to back before. I, I like that. That can work. So yeah, it's 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 stuff like this that like puts a little seed of the idea in their head for later. You know, they're they're the kind of band that doesn't forget those things. Like he's he's got those notebooks and he knows every set list in every city. So again, yeah, not for you. Again, gets really really quiet. that they're doing when they bring it down a little bit before that you know final chorus is he kind of gets a chance to address the crowd and ask them if everybody's getting along and of course that's going to come come into play in a little while um as they did back in 96 95 versions of not for you it has that traditional album ending to it that sounds really good with this i i love when they do that version definitely Okay, this is the section that I was sort of talking about. It just feels the two hits back to back, Jeremy Betterman. They just feel like unmotivated. Like it, even with Betterman and the lights going down, it just doesn't feel like the band is fully there. Like their their minds are somewhere else. I don't, I don't know if you picked up on that, but like Jer- Jeremy just sounded like they just did not want to be playing that song. And again, I think that's a function of, of 1996 too. Like you've just released this new album. You've got all these new kinds of songs on it. Or you're doing all these different kinds of, of things. And now you have to go out and play Jeremy. And it's like, eh, okay, sure. You know, it's, and, and, you know, I'm not saying they're, they're half-assing it, but it's not going to have the same kind of fury behind it that it did in, in 92 or 93. You know, it's just, it's just a function of the time and, and better man the same way. Like this was, I don't know if they, I know they started doing save it for later in 96 might've been after this, but on that, on that European leg where I think they really started breaking into it, but that might've been a function of too, like, Hey, this thing is kind of getting a little bit stale. Like maybe we, we should look at finding a way to get excited about it again. And, uh, and the lighters come out for better man, the disco ball is down. It's a, it's a cool thing for the crowd, but yeah, I, I did, I did catch that these, these are not standout performances of these songs by any means. 
No, and, and for Jeremy, you have to go back to that Randall's Island show. The Randall's Island show, I believe, is the last time that they did know Jeremy. So that's still in their minds at that time where they're just like, well, you know, I, we, we have to play it, but we're kind of, you know, we still don't really want to. And, and if we want to get away with it, then we'll do this random, just kind of off the cuff version that they did in that era for those very few times. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that just sort of speaks to where they were with the song at the time. And it, yeah, again, just unmotivated, but right after red mosquito, like this is back to that point of, okay, the band feels like they're back in it again. Like you get something that they're really excited to play. Red Mosquito is one of the best songs off of, off of No Code. So you get the energy back in. And uh, I don't know, the, the, the recording doesn't give you a full scope of how the crowd reacts to the songs. But like, if you're just listening to them, they feel a little dry on it. But at least on the hits, on Jeremy and Better Man, at least, that you're so used to the crowd's participation on. But for Red Mosquito, it's just, man, it feels, again, you're, you're getting that uptick of energy back to kind of where you were with, like, In My Tree. Uh, Mike sounds so great with the, with the slide guitar. And, again, just so much coming out of this that the enthusiasm to play the song, you can see the differences between playing this and then playing the two hits from before. Exactly, yeah, it's the complete inverse, like, you get that kind of jolt of energy from playing a new song right because it's 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 new you know you don't know what's going to happen it's still you're they're not tired of it yet it hasn't gotten stale they're excited to play it so it's it's the set list is put together very well like you get old songs new songs old song new song old songs new songs like it's 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 done very well i think it's probably done on purpose to kind of give them a jolt like a halfway through the set like this would normally be the the even flow spot where you know mccready gets gets his little section to to give a break here but you know you don't get that here so they have to break it up somehow yeah it was a good way to break it up and uh you you know that here's here's kind of you said that you thought that this was constructed pretty well but I, i i thought it was weird to get black in between Red Mosquito and then like that three-headed monster that came after that. I thought that they should have played into that momentum a little more and saved Black for sort of like that pre-ending spot where you get like Black, then into Rearview Mirror, then into Alive and Porch kind of deal. I, I thought that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, and it's it's hard to, to kind of take yourself out of the, the present and, and, you know, because we're so used to these songs being like, in their spots where they are right and it sounds weird when they're not there but if you think about 1996 like yeah you've got a new album they don't know where these songs are going to fit in where they're going to end up the the 10 songs some of them are are being shuffled to the side like why go deep you know garden you're not getting those in 1996 and so they're they're having anytime you bring in new songs like that when you got a new record you kind of go through a period of like restructuring the the set list and they do this you know, they did this for Yield, they did this for Binaural, like every tour, every album tour immediately following, there's kind of a reshuffling, like something, we're going to try some different things here. And maybe Black is one where like, you know, we don't, we don't know like if we're, if we, how we feel about it right now, because it's an older song. We've got, like I said, we've got all these new songs we're excited about. We're kind of phasing out some of the older songs. So 
let's let's put it here after the new song to kind of get people just in case you know just in case red mosquito doesn't get a big crowd reaction then we've got them right back because this is a big stadium show you know you you hit them with you know you hit them with the old you hit them with the new you hit them with the old you hit them with the new so you you always you're never you're never losing the crowd they're never going to get like three or four songs in a row that they don't know right and and black maybe it was maybe it's it's taken that like i said it's taken that even flow spot it's sitting here at what 12 or 13 or maybe somewhere in that range where it's it's giving mccready a moment like he he might have said like hey guys like i'm i'm not getting my not getting my moment here in the middle of the set you got to throw me a bone here but you know the crowd is treating this as if this were a state of love and trust or a habit or something like that because they are just I mean, it's turned up. It's like Ed never talked to them in the beginning and said, hey, calm yourselves down. Like, this is the song where they're starting to ramp it up a lot more. And this version of Black, it's not like this super emotional gut punch. It's a pretty straight-up rock and roll performance with kind of like a more faster, fluid tempo to it. The crowd does not stop. They're going the whole entire time, and it leads to Ed getting a notice from uh, the fire marshal and he has these, these big cue cards that he pulls out and he repeats, uh, he pretty much repeats himself when he says earlier, ask everybody takes two, two steps back. Doesn't look like the crowd moved at all. I know it's, it's tough to kind of tell when you have a wide shot, if everybody took two steps back, but like that's black prompted that out of all songs, it was black that did that. Yeah. And I think in the, in the Five Horizons review, it says they asked everyone to take two steps back, and they did, and everything was great after that. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really buy that. Yeah. No, no. I was gonna say, just uh, evidently, we didn't, we didn't mention it at the beginning, but evidently, I, you know, I kind of referred to it where Ed was disguised in the parking lot helping people register to vote. But uh, evidently, they did register like a thousand people in the in the parking lot. So yeah, good for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Sure. That, that's good that they were able to to muster up that much. And I wish that uh, this year they could have been doing the same. But you know, this is this is where we step in and try to do our part to say to you guys: if you haven't registered yet, this is the chance. Do it now. Some of the states, the registration uh, time has been extended. Some states, it's over at this point. So it, just look into it if if you haven't registered yet and your state is still taking registrations do it immediately go right now stop this podcast don't don't put it off don't put it off you don't want to procrastinate and miss it yeah right this is not an election to fuck around with state of love and trust habit rearview mirror the biggest talking point on this is ed noodling a song that would later become mfc I would think that this is probably the first time that he does it. I haven't seen this written anywhere else, but I guess this is just a noodle at this point. And then later on it would, when 
you know, they tour Europe and they're in Italy, this would really turn, he would write the lyrics for it and it would turn into the song that it did. So cool to, to see the beginning of it. And he's kind of noodling, he noodles the beginning and then he actually noodles the next part of it, which I thought was interesting because I thought he was just going to do just that little part and that's it. But no, he, he kind of does that, that segue out of it, which that, I mean, to have that all written, I'm going to guess that that's probably something he was just kind of working on in the hotel room or on the tour bus or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I say it all the time. You, you want to get those, it's so cool to get those little like germs of, of the idea where you get as close as possible to the, to the beginning of the song or the writing of the song. And this is one of those where it, it was probably 50, 50 at that point, whether he was going to become anything, you know, how many times has he done this and it's never turned into anything, but this one would just so happens. We, you know, a couple of years later, we, we get it on an album. So it just goes to show, you know, he's, he's always working on ideas and it, it might've even, yeah, he might've even come up with it the night before or something. Yep. And, you know, it's it like the germs, the germs of the ideas to to go back on this 24 years later and be like, oh, we we all know what this is now. We all know and love the history of this like that. That's something that I didn't know going into the show that we were going to get that. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening in probably didn't know either. So cool little tidbit factoid for you guys. Uh, The rest of this little section here of sort of like the more. Uh, the faster songs like Habit, Ed is doing a lot of windmills on. Rearview Mirror gets the disco ball treatment. And, and River Mirror, it's one of those slow building bridges that they did back then. This is really what we talked about in that Evolution episode we did for Patreon. In 96, they're starting to really build these bridges into out into something bigger. Yeah, this, this Rearview Mirror, I think it, it again, it's one, of the, it's one of those other ones that, that gets kind of quiet in the bridge. not a not a fast one i think it was a little more melodic a little more beatlesy if, if you know if we're gonna if, we're, if you've got your if you've got your live on four legs groovy mirror chart you can put this one under the under the beatles tab uh, at least partially so 
yeah, I thought it was uh, thought it was kind of just nice and you know to the point, and it didn't didn't linger on for too long. They they got kind of in and out of it, but yeah, I think it's another another function of the crowd too. I think they were playing a little bit to not you know I'm not saying tentative as far as they're playing, but tentative as far as the crowd goes. Like let's let's not incite this this mob more than we have to. Right, exactly. But you know, like it, the crowd is at least reaching to somebody like Jeff, who is extremely energetic at this show. Like I, I, I thought multiple times in the show that he was a standout for these songs, um, and he's just he's bouncing all over the stage. He's doing his thing. Like that, that you know, you don't. Mike is usually the guy for that now, but Jeff, I guess in in ninety five, ninety six, like this was the Jeff move to, to, to do this, to bring at least some energy back onto the stage. Could have been a thing like that where he was just feeling it that night and he was like, you know, I'm 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 gonna put I'm gonna put the, this thing on my shoulders for a little while. Somebody somebody's gotta be the guy to say, All right, I'm stepping up for this game and I'm gonna I'm gonna score thirty on them this game and uh, and that was Jeff in this one I thought. Going back to our conversation from in my tree the songs that really are just the epitome of their best live performances in 96 immortality is 100 percent one of the one of those songs and it gets that arpeggiated intro and we just talk about these versions and how there's three-headed monster ed is really the one that opens it up mike dominates the middle and jack just kills the end like these are versions of this song that are absolutely in their wheelhouse they fucking kill it um can't say much more like it's just fantastic yeah again just add it to the list of great immortalities and yeah i love these versions with jack especially where he really takes over that ending like you said and it's it's a joy to listen to when mike's soloing in there i kind of noticed that jack took it upon himself to sort of speed it up a little bit and catch up to where mike was on this and it it worked out really well you know mike wasn't doing the fastest solo in the world but you know just sped it up a little bit more faster than the actual tempo of the song and i think it really brought the band to an even higher level than they were playing the song before like it was just it was it was well done it's always an instant highlight from this era yeah, there, there are not many bands where the lead guitarist and the drummer can lock in like that. Like, you normally think of the, the rhythm section with the bass player and the drummer, the lead guitarist and the singer. But it just goes to show, like, how how on top of their game they were that, that any two of them can lock in like that. Like, they were just on the top of their game in, in 95, 96, these tours. It's, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. Uh, ending the set. Two songs that are perfect uh, to to get you excited for an encore, and that's Alive in the Porch. Um, just tons of crowd surfing again, and that security team is just uh, yeah, they they got their hands, you know, they, they got their work cut out for them. There, there's over 20 people, and they're handling a lot of people during a live. I, I would say like there were at least. 20 people that kind of came their way it was it was a lot this version of porch this was a pretty prominent version because ed's speech in it was just really you know it was, it was poignant and i think we have to go and, and listen to a little bit of it here Before, I, I, 
had a good day today, a really productive day here. construction site and we all got jobs we're all workers and we're all equal and what are we building it's like we're we're erecting something incredibly beautiful like the, uh, can I keep talking are you with me on this It's not just a building that we're putting up, or that we could put up if we did this together. It's, it's more like a uh, like a place, like we're, we're building a beautiful place. And, and this is a place where everyone's invited. Everyone! And this is a place where you're free to express yourself. Fuck, shit, damn, I love you. Anything you want to say, you can say it, right? right? Okay. It's a place that no matter who you're in love with or what color you are, you're invited, you're in. Come on, let's go. Let's have at it. Let's where is this place, right? Where is it? I know. By the way, you can also choose whatever you want in this place. You have the freedom to choose in this place, too. This is just a great place, right? And I'm going to tell you where this place is, right? Because I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there, and you're going to be there, and I'm going to remember all of you because you would have been the ones who helped build it, right? You, you, we're all going to be there. Do you want to know where this place is? Do you want to know what it is? This place is the future. The future. The future is now. Let's go. Register a vote by the end of the night, all right? Do me a favor. Let's go there. All right. Thank you for listening. In 96, it seemed like such simple things to be saying this. And, you know, it made sense because, like, you have to start from somewhere, but to be 
continuing to say these things in 2020, like, it's almost as if we never took a step forward sometimes. Yeah, and you think about it, too, and this is the Clinton years, right? Like, this is a Democratic administration. You're supposed to think, like, oh, that's that's going to solve everything. It's just like we have now. Like, if if the Democratic nominee gets elected, that doesn't mean that everything is fixed. Like, we still we still have to put in the work, and we still have to, to go out every day and, and make the changes that we need to make. It's just, it's yeah, it's still the same thing, you know, 24 years later. It, the Your job doesn't end at the voting booth, although that's super important. That's that's only the beginning, right? Yeah, you, you know, if there there are going to be things coming up after this election, are going to be severe, uh, you know, like things that you're fighting for your life. You're fighting for women's rights, uh, your the right to choose. You're right. Uh, you're fighting for health care. Extremely important things that that you deal with on a daily basis that you need to to live with that you need to continue fighting for you need to keep continue fighting for racial equality and you know and uh, against police brutality uh, like these are these are things that are so important right now and we have a lot of work to do it is it is a good version of porch though and ed being able to speak over it like that like you know it, it's sort of segueing to what we have after this encore that's extremely important so uh before we get into that let's uh let's tell you about a little bit of what's going on with us we have stuff going on at patreon because we always have stuff going on at patreon and if you want to contribute to the show and help us out patreon.com slash live on four legs and uh we're always doing things over there but the thing that's going to be happening next week since it's a pretty important week next week i would think we are going to be giving you the first ever show. The Off-Ramp show is going to be an episode only on Patreon. So that should be exciting for most people. That's going to be exciting for us. Oh, absolutely. The oldest of the oldest shows. Yeah, definitely. Crossing just a girl off of our <laughs> repertoire. <laughs> like, how important was that, right? Right, right. And yeah, there's, I mean, it's it's so different than than what we normally talk about now. You know, we we haven't even gone back to '91. Going to be going back a long way. But you know, Patreon has an app. It's super easy. You know, just download the Patreon app. Search for Live on Four Legs. Will pop right up. You can also do it that way if if that makes it easier for you. But yeah, there's you know, there's always stuff going on on Patreon. You know, we we'll have our usual you know bridge school and set list draft stuff coming up that we'll let you guys know about. So yeah, always never a bad time to jump in if you've been thinking about it. We got a great group of people over there getting really excited about it. So uh, yeah, just uh, we'd be happy to have anyone join that's interested. And thanks to everybody who joined us this past week. We did a little bit of, it was supposed to be a forum, but we just ended up kind of just, you know, just shooting shit and talking about shows and talking about the band. And uh, uh, it was just fun. And, and sometimes we'll just put that together to just get everybody to introduce each other, uh, to introduce themselves and, and know each other. Because I, I feel like this is kind of a community for us where we get to know everybody. We want everybody to know each other as well. So, you know, those are things bootlegs every month a mask and a sticker that will send you if you join we have tons uh of stickers to give away we have a good amount of masks to give away but we'll give them away until we're uh until we're out of them so uh yeah just keep all that in mind and they're you know 
anything as low as a dollar. Like that, that's, that's a lot of stuff that you get for a dollar. So if that's stuff that you're interested in, interested in helping us out, then patreon.com slash lime for legs. The Patreon app as well. Download. Yeah. Do you want to share, uh, the uh, the amount that we were able to donate to Run Freely, we, we were pushing that all September. We we actually were able to uh, to make a donation to Kenny Maine's foundation. There, talk about that a little bit, and, talk, and let's tell the people how much we were able to uh, to donate. Yeah, and uh, I was I, I'm very very happy that a lot of the patrons came through on this, and and uh, you know there there were some people that were very generous in boosting their uh, their monthly donations, and then John and I threw in a couple extra dollars here and there too. So uh, we raised three hundred and twenty five dollars for Kenny's organization. Oh, great job, guys! Great job, thank you guys so much. And. Uh, I texted with Kenny and Kenny thanks to all of you too. Like he was very happy to see that, that we pitched in and, and it all goes to a great cause. It's all for veterans that have ligament damage uh, that are in severe cases, possibly need a- amputation. So this brace that gets developed is for them to kind of utilize their legs as normal like it's kind of an amazing thing they're only able to make about one per month so when you think about that like any small donation to get this and get the process sped up a little bit like that goes a long way so you know if if that's something if if you just want to contribute you can go to their website runfreely.org and you can donate through their website too and uh you know and just let us know you did that and we'll give you a shout out on there so uh again we we thank everybody for for chipping in for the month and and really helping us out. That was that was great by you guys. So once again, this is this is part of the community and this is what makes the community so great that we get opportunities to do things like this that are for the greater good. So let's hop back into the show. Ed introduces Gloria Steinem to the crowd and uh, she gets a very warm reception. Oh, please. She's going to say a few words, and if you could give her your utmost attention, if you do that for us, we'll play for a whole bunch more. So, yeah. I know we're here because Pearl Jam and Eddie sing our lives. And tonight, we're here because all of the great artists that you've seen tonight are singing to make our lives better. If you want freedom and you want respect, I want you to promise me tonight that you are going to vote if you can, if you're 18. And you are going to go out and get at least five other people to vote. And you are going to vote for yourselves and change the face of the Senate and change the face of Congress so that it looks like the country. Any questions? Fuck no. You know what to do. Do it, will ya? Thanks for letting us tell you all these things. We appreciate the opportunity to communicate a little bit. 
Totally appreciate it. Totally appreciate you coming down. Totally appreciate all the trouble it took to get tickets. Totally appreciate every person. I'm addressing you as an individual and as a crowd. Thank you very, very, very much. You know, she talks for a couple minutes. Just let somebody like that, that has so much knowledge and so much passion in the work that she does and what she's been able to stand for for her in her whole life uh, and fight for is just really important to, to get that in front of everybody. Everything that she says here is still relevant today. You know, the young people have the voice, the young people have the power. You know, the more of the youth that gets to vote, the more their voice will show in the Senate, in Congress, and in the White House. Yeah, and you go back to Jesse Helms, too. I mean, he was, what, 80 years old at this point? So, yeah, that's she's trying to emphasize that point as well. Like, look, if you're if you're tired of, of these octogenarians representing you, then go vote and do something about it. Like, get some younger people in there. They don't know what's happening and what the people want. They just know their own agenda. So... There's some people that could be shaking their heads right now, but you know what? This is the time. If we're ever going to talk about this, this is right now, and we got three weeks. So look at it this way: if everyone goes out and votes, then we won't have to talk about it. That's right. If everybody goes out and votes, then in 2024 in October, we won't have to do this for a month. Or 2022 for the midterms. But uh, good choice to to follow it up. Who you are following up uh this little speech here and i think the the words and the lyrics in the song make sense to kind of follow it up and uh yeah kind of just ties in everything what she was talking about absolutely yeah some cool vocal stuff too it seemed like he was he was emphasizing some of the phrases a little more than he normally does so yeah i like to think that was done absolutely on purpose yeah i think so um yeah great backing vocals on this it's very rare that you get the four of them, you know, excluding Jack, uh, the four of them to to all sing in unison. But it sounded really nice. I, I, I love the, the rare occasions where they, they do bring them up. this encore was really solid there's a lot of good stuff in here and really just this section of four songs just really pop out at you even flow in the encore whipping the follow i got shit leaving here all in a row even flow easily might get the spotlight and stone and jeff go to jam with jack a little bit and that sounds really good and then ed questions the crowd asks them if they're tired maybe you know they had slowed down a little bit didn't seem like they did but maybe it's just kind of 
kind of keeping them in check. And uh, that's transitioning into whipping and whipping sounds real tight and awesome. And, and I got shit has a guest appearance with Brendan O'Brien subbing in on bass and yeah, everything here just sounds fantastic. I I really really love this section. And again, not not a spot you normally think of for even flow number two in the encore. But if if you can you can check off the "Don't Vote Republican" again line. We we had that last week and we get it again this week. So that that that's kind of the thread. We'll see if we get that next week. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Whipping I thought was fantastic, especially after even flow. It's such a great way to kind of punch you back in the face again and ed playing guitar like he really gets into it with that head down strumming and like going really fast it's great there's a little you know a little uh, ed starts i got shit and there's a little powwow in the back of the the stage there where like they i think they have to reteach brendan how to play the song or get him set up on it because yeah that he played of course on the studio version so they're kind of recreating the original lineup of it and but yeah that probably been a year at least year and a half so i'm sure they had to kind of like you know it's it's one of those back to the future things like watch me for the changes <laughs> try to try to keep up with it so yeah it's not like a it's not like a soaring i got shit where you know it's gonna it's gonna go to another level but it was cool to hear the original the original lineup play a cool moment that you don't get every single show and uh of course being down in atlanta that's that, right you know just a quick three and a half hour drive it. so yeah it helps them uh, collaborate easily. If you go on and search for the show on YouTube, there's an MTV news report uh, for about this show and about what they were doing at this show. And after they talk about the, uh, about the Charlotte show here, it's an interview with Ed and Gloria Steinem and somebody from uh, uh, artist for, for hate free America. Uh, they do a piece on Brennan O'Brien in the studio with rage against the machine. I thought that was really, really cool. Like that's, you know, he was basically the guy in the nineties that did just about everything. Like how amazing is that? And and to say that his most accomplished work was with Pearl Jam, like that's pretty special to, to, to get that. Leaving here, we didn't really touch up on at all. Only disco thing I really ball. noticed out of it was, yeah, disco ball. And uh, all out of all the solos, I think Jeff missed his part. <laughs> There's always one. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it, but it sounded like it was natural. It was the third one, too. So it's kind of like you get two and then wait, what happened? And then the fourth one, they go they go out and then you go back into it. If You know, it, it feels like it was it was meant to be almost. But anyway, that, very, very small part. But before you get into the penultimate song of the show, Ed speaks again. Really, you guys, we think about you a lot. I know. Uh... This is this isn't where we live, but it's where you live. And just to remind you, you guys can definitely make a change. I just had to say it in front of you all. And uh, as a group, uh, you can do it. I know. As we have been telling you, our crowd of this night, you are the ones that are able to make the change too. And and out of all songs, that like how how many songs for the penultimate songs do they have left? that they can utilize here. They just did a who cover, so they don't have Baba. They have rocking in the free world. Maybe they have indifference, maybe off indifference, maybe uh, even flow off. Like, so they go off the beaten path a little bit here and it's daughter. So what'd you think about daughter being the song for this moment? I like this a lot. And I, I don't know if you feel the same way. I can, I kind of, when I was watching this, I was like, I don't know if Randy's going to be into this, but 
I actually kind of liked it. I think you know the the way it, the way it tags. And it's kind of like if you want to end your show in more like a mellow way. Like I think like a daughter into an indifference would be really cool. Like I I kind of like it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right. It's not. It's not my favorite <laughs> thing. It's not. But I think in '96 you're able to play around with that. I think if they did that in 2020, you'd be like, oh. Uh, that's that's really strange out of all the decisions to make or maybe in 2020 you really like it and you say well finally they do something that's not alive or a cover i i don't know it's it just is and i think it the tags just sort of take you down a little bit and the tags are nice and i don't know to me it's just kind of it's a mid it's a mid-set song or if they wanted to play it kind of before that whole even flow whipping i got shit leaving here section like leaving here is a good penultimate song to kind of leave you hanging and then finish with one better on but I, uh, I don't know weird to get the house lights up with daughter yeah not my thing yeah, you know i liked it and it's and you know, it's not something they went back to but yeah i'm all i'm all for mixing it up man that's that's the way to keep it keep it from getting stale so yeah, I give him I give him credit for doing it. I, you know, throw it in, you know, once a tour, once or twice a tour, just to change things up. Like, yeah, I'm into it. I think it's cool. I I, I like talking about it. That's for sure. It it definitely changes pace from the the bread and butter that we usually cover. So, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, but to to sit here and and say that you know, daughter's the song that I want to almost finish up my night. It's it's not not quite there no um but hey you get a couple of tags you get real me you get noise of carpet i feel like those are the pretty common tags for 1996 and then it just kind of finishes out with some little bassy grooves and and goes right in the lead better Jack like he plays it so so much different than than Cameron does now he's almost playing it like on the front foot where Cameron kind of you know sits back and and lets lets the other guys take the stage but it was it definitely had a different different rhythm to it yeah yeah I kind of noticed that too it, it, it almost I don't know if I can put my finger on it but it just like it feels like a half step slower in some in some cases but it also feels like the hits like you always say with Jack, like he knows when to time those hits perfectly. I feel like this is one of those moments where you can really feel Jack as timing coming in at the right at the right moments. And yeah, that that that's 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 interesting you mentioned that. It's natural to to get Ledbetter to close the show at around this time. It's it's starting to become the thing and the thing that people are used to that are collecting the boots. And you know, Soldier Field is is probably the big one at the time. I would think so. Yeah, great way to great way to close it out. So uh, that is our show. That is Charlotte '96. There's a lot of a lot of cool stuff going on there. A lot of great performances, and uh, 
and a lot of a lot of good uh, good speeches. So let's pick three moments that we really like from the show. Ah, uh, yeah, this is this is tough too because you know aside from from maybe one, there's not like a lot that stand out above the of the crowd. So you could go a lot of different ways with this. I'll. Uh, Number three, I'll say the the little MFC tease was really cool, unexpected. Um, that's that's a number three just to get a little taste of, of, of what's to come. There was a was a nice little touch. Uh, number two, I'll say uh, black. Again, we we touched on it too. A, a great ending to the song. Ed has a really impassioned, you know, little we belong together. It's not not the sweet one that you're used to, but it, he almost kind of screams it. At the end, I thought it had a had a really nice way to finish off that song, and it, it kind of took the place of of Even Flow, the, the McCready section there. So, really enjoyed Black. And then uh, number one, I mean, it, it's got to be Porch. It's that it's that Ed speech uh, during Porch McCready on fire, the light show going on. Like that that's that's my number one for this show. Yeah, I'm just looking at. I think I liked things more sectioned in this show than you know things separate like. Stuff like Last Exit, Animal, Black Circle, Hell Hell to really start the show. Like that all together is a moment for me because it feels like that really spiced up the crowd. That really got everything going. Um, yeah, I'm going to, number three is going to be those four all put together. Um, number two is actually going to be the song that follows that up, and that's In My Tree. I thought that was a fantastic performance of In My Tree. And, uh, yeah, my number one here is just, you know, just kind of what we hammered home the whole episode is just being able to to get their voices heard and and, uh, and go out and get, get the boat out. And, and, you know, bringing out Gloria Steinem was super important. I don't think that's something they've ever done again. They brought other important people of her, you know, in her, uh, uh, in the same class as her, but you know, to, to get her there is a super important thing. And just the message that they're trying to send, I think is, is extremely important for this era. All right. If you want to rate it, we can rate it. I think we can rate it. So why don't we rate it? Yeah. Um, again, tough because, you know, the recording's not great. I think it's, it's hard on these, these ones when you have these, you know, iffy audience recordings it's hard to really nail down a rating because you you don't get to hear a lot of the like i said the definition on things that you normally do but um some really good moments i'm gonna give this one uh seven and a half okay so that's around the wheelhouse i think i'm gonna give it a seven um Mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of things are long lasting from this show that you can you know take and, and say like that that was a moment where, you know, everybody remembers this from the 96 tour. Like, I don't think a lot of people remember Gloria Steinem taking the stage with the band. I don't think a lot of people remember that, but it's an important aspect. I think that raises the score a little bit. You know, if, if this was, if this didn't have all of this stuff, if it didn't have the same message, then maybe it's like a six. But uh, since it does, I think that is an important thing to look back on. And I think probably, the thing people remember most is, is the post that, but it, it's part of the history too. So uh, seven, seven's good for me. Seven, seven and a half. That's right in the wheelhouse right there. Yeah. It gets a little, I give it the no code bump as well. pushes it up a little higher. <laughs> That's a little half, half point to no code. Right. All right. So uh, yeah, the next show that we're going to be doing next week, we're going to be celebrating PJ 30. Can you believe that? 
30 years of this band. And we're going to be uh, joined by another fantastic podcast host. If you have never listened to the Better Band podcast before, then you're in for a treat. You should subscribe to it on all of the podcast platforms. Definitely deserves so much love for the work and effort that he puts into this. So Brandon Palomo is is joining us for next week. We will be talking about Vegas 2000, an election year as well. And there was a lot of stuff going on with, uh, with Ed and his political views from 2000. So we'll get some of that in too, but it won't be as politically charged as the last two weeks were and uh can't wait to do it we'll be excited to have him on and then we'll also for patreon once again celebrating the pj30 week we'll do the off-ramp show and uh hopefully maybe we can get something else kind of special don't know maybe we're thinking about it hey we're always working behind the scenes we're always we're always sending out those putting out those feelers so yeah always always on that hustle as the kids say absolutely so all right everybody thank you for listening in and if you like this episode then then go ahead and listen to all of our other episodes we have 100 other episodes just sitting there just waiting for some years to get on them so head on over to apple spotify wherever you subscribe to your podcast subscribe to us and uh follow us on social media as well if you want to email us live on four likes podcast at gmail.com shoot us a note whether you like the episode whether you have some talking points that you wanted to talk about if you were there or uh just sharing something uh from you know your uh your pearl jam fandom with us we always love when uh people get in touch with us about that kind of stuff so hit us up and uh we shall be back next week with some pj30 shows so this may be the end We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Thanks once again, everybody, for tuning in, from Randy, from John, and from everybody in the country that wants you to vote in this year's election. We will see you next time. Don't forget to vote. Seriously, don't. Don't forget to vote. Seriously, don't forget.
Give him a big hand, he's the greatest man ever.